This is President Jason Wright, and you're listening to Ramblin' About Washington. Baltimore Ravens fan, and he runs marketing for Simple Bet. My guy, Jake Moskowski. Welcome to the show, man. Thank you. Glad to be here. Glad to be here. Have Always happy to talk about Washington football team in Baltimore. <laughs> I bet. I bet. Y'all are our neighbors over there. And the, be- the Battle of the Beltway. I mean, it's just a preseason game, but it's always fun when we square up with Baltimore. How? how what are your thoughts on you guys preseason so far? I mean, pretty crazy preseason for Baltimore. I think last year, having lost the preseason, getting to see some of the young guys already this preseason, how they evolved from year one to year two is always great. Obviously, we're running at this point a a pretty big preseason win streak dating back to 2016. So 19 game win streak on the line. So we'll we'll see how that stuff goes. Yeah, like I said, it's, it's always interesting to see. I think Harbaugh, always pushes 100% effort, 100% dedication, whether it's a preseason game, regular season, postseason. He always wants to see guys go all out. So love it. I mean, I think that really showed that preseason win streak just really shows how well and how adequate and a professionally ran organization you guys have been running there from Ozzy to DaCosta. I, I imagine even the camp bodies and guys that have no chance of making the team, you guys scout very thoroughly from top to bottom. And that's why you guys haven't lost a preseason game. We've had like three coaches and 20 quarterbacks since the last time you guys lost a preseason game. So that's very interesting. I feel like this would be a good a good show and a good competition for our young guys that are looking to compete for a roster because you guys are coming to win the game. You guys are not just coming to suit up and see what your offense and defense looks like. And I, I respect that, man. I respect that. So before we get into it, we're going to touch on the game a little bit and we're going to put together, we're going to make a little intra squad super team between Baltimore and Washington. That's going to be pretty fun today, but I guess we could start with some background and stuff. You're from the area, how you started to love the Ravens and stuff like that. Yeah. So I actually, I was born and raised, I grew up in New York, but as crazy as it might sound, I root for no New York sports teams. Uh, <laughs> my father's from Owings Mills in Baltimore. And so he grew up a Baltimore Colts fan and obviously when the Colts left, there was that, that middle period where who, who am I going to root for? He then moved to New York. Um, and obviously I was born and soon thereafter, the, the Ravens came around, came back to Baltimore. Uh, and so for me, or I guess the Browns came to Baltimore and became the Ravens, <laughs> became the Ravens for the first time. Uh, so for me, I grew up rooting for Baltimore sports teams, which was great for football and not so great for baseball uh so whereas maybe there's a little bit of trade-off whereas we're the well-run organization i would say it's way more fun to be a nats fan than it is to be an orioles fan um so yeah so i I grew up on baltimore Ravens stuff i grew up watching ray lewis i grew up watching ed reed suggs mccrary bowlware all those guys uh and i stuck with them through those kyle bowler years where they they had more similar to what you just said where you've had you've had more quarterbacks in the past few years i remember going through the, the tony banks and kyle bowlers and stormy cases of the world uh when i was younger and then obviously from 2008 until now, largely it's been the Joe Flacco show and then the Lamar Jackson show. Uh, so I've been a Ravens fan my entire life. I bleed black and purple. I'll go to as many games as I can. I, I love it. I love I love the team. Oh, man. And I mean, I envy some of the glory you've got to see as a fan because, I mean, you talk about your Tony Banks and Kyle Bowler days. We've actually seen Tony Banks here. You don't want to you don't want to know what this life feels like to just not have a franchise quarterback or like not even close to one, because we've been I've been waiting my entire life for one. I want to know what it feels like to get a quarterback, draft him and then get him to his second contract. I want to know what that shit feels like, because it's a very unfamiliar feeling around these parts. But you guys are one about 20 straight preseason games. Like you, you got us going, you got us coming. You guys are coming to DC tomorrow. Oh, why did you never consider being a Washington fan in this fan selection process? I like to know that. 
Yeah, I think my father, just growing up being a Baltimore fan, I think it was just second nature when the Ravens came to town to be a Baltimore Ravens fan. But I guess that's a better question for him. It's like, obviously, the Baltimore Colts left. He could have become a Washington, I'll say, football team fan. Um, <laughs> and uh, and yeah, and then that totally would have been down that path. And I would have got to appreciate tons of other great players. And it would have been it would have been interesting. Oh, yeah, definitely. Definitely. And. I want to know, like, what's the culture like with Ravens fans and Ravens Twitter and stuff? Because I know you follow me and you see a lot of the shit that we talk about on Washington Twitter. Is it like, like, I feel like sometimes we're like the most toxic fan base culture on social media. But I imagine since Twitter is such a cesspool that there's some of that infighting within all fan bases. What's it yeah. like on Ravens Twitter? I would say it's like that with every fan base. I mean, we've got guys who I follow a lot of the hardcore guys, guys who they want to do breakdowns of offensive line every week. Or they want to do breakdowns of defensive back, back play and stuff like that. But I would say there's infighting. Every, I mean, yesterday the Ravens traded, obviously, fifth-round rookie Sean Wade to the Patriots. And the same fans who were like, this is a terrible pick. Why are we taking another defensive back in the fifth round? Three months later, like, holy cow, why are you trading this guy? He's had an awesome preseason. I'm like, guys, like, you can't have it both ways. Either you don't like the pick or you don't like that he's getting traded. But you can't not like the pick and then not like when he gets traded. Uh, so the so fans lose their minds over all sorts of stuff. We have fans within the within the organization who still don't feel like Lamar can be that guy. And I'm like, you got you to have faith. You got to have faith in the guy that's leading your team right now. Um, as far as toxic organizations go, as a Ravens fan, I don't think it gets worse than those Browns fans who've been career losers their entire <laughs> life. And now that they think that they're the paper Super Bowl champions three years in a row, that, <laughs> <laughs> that they're going to be the heads of the AFC North. And I still think that the Ravens, Ravens deserve a little bit of leeway there. Um, but yeah, I mean, as far as, as far as fan bases go, I think every fan base on Twitter, every fan across every sport, they're going to have some guys who just like to butt heads, who just like to argue. Oh, for uh, sure. That's just what makes Twitter fun. Yeah, it does. It does make it fun. That's why you can't really take things too personal. That's why yeah. the people that do end up taking it personal and start taking, making a, like a personal attack on you, you just got to laugh at it and keep it going. Cause like there are some people that are miserable. They get their highlights off of what they get their fingers off on Twitter. But I'm glad you brought up the Lamar thing. Me and my buddies have a, a group chat and we talk 24 seven and we argue all the time. One of our arguments this week was, I don't think Lamar Jackson is an elite quarterback, but I think he's in that second tier. The I, like I also don't think Watts. I think Watson, Allen, Jackson, they're in the next tier under yeah. Wilson, Brady, Rodgers, and Mahomes. What yeah. do you think about that? And what would it take for Lamar to become an elite quarterback? Because for me, he has improved as a passer, but he hasn't improved enough for me to put him in that like in that stature like to put him with those guys what do you what do you think about that yeah I think for me the elite quarterback has to be someone who's regarded as like the top tier of his position like guys coming out of college that's who they want to be comp to like guys want to be comp to a Patrick Mahomes they want to be comp to a Brady or Breeze or Rogers or whoever it may be at the time I also think those guys have to have sustained or at least long-standing postseason success all those guys that you mentioned, they all have at least one Super Bowl ring. They've all been to the big game. They've all shown out in the big game. Yeah. Uh, obviously, guys like Rodgers and Brady and Breeze, to an extent, have been doing this for a really long time. Breeze obviously has had some slightly worse luck with his teams in the postseason, uh, and he's now retired. But uh, I think from Lamar, I'd love to see some more consistency in the passing game. I think that he had, I think Lamar's peak level is tier one, but I think that there are some games that he has where he's got like 95 passing yards, no passing touchdowns. You don't really see games like that from guys like Brady or Rogers or Mahomes. Like those guys have a way of elevating when their team needs them the most. I think Lamar really needs to prove that he can do that. He can lead those lead his Ravens teams to those kind of comebacks when he needs to. I think right now his record when he's losing at halftime is like one in eight for his career, not saying he's going to win every single time when he's down, but I think that there needs to be a greater level of consistency when getting his team back in the games, particularly with his arm. Oh, for sure. And one in eight. Well, yeah, that's not that's not the most glowing statistic, but, you know, yeah. quarterback wins are definitely overrated in this league, but I like Lamar. I like Lamar. I think there's, there's a crowd of people who still don't think he's a quarterback, and that's ridiculous. 
He yeah. he definitely needs to improve as a passer, but I believe he can improve as a passer and take that next step. The next step for you guys will be actually getting over the hump and getting to the big game. Is that is it? Does it feel like a Super Bowl or bust type situation? Because you guys' roster is built to win now. Yeah, uh, I think in a way it's Super Bowl or bust, and in a way it's not. I think that it it's less of an impact potentially on a guy like Lamar Jackson. I think another playoff win really good regular season. I think it's tough to move on for a guy like Lamar, who I think is going to get that max level contract extension. <clears throat> I think way more pressure actually is on a guy like John Harbaugh, who at this point it's like, okay, you've retained the same coaching staff. <clears throat> you've retained largely the same core group of players. You've now built a team of aging veterans on the defensive side, guys like Calais Campbell, guys like Brandon Williams, Derek Wolf, who aren't going to be around playing at that top two level for that much longer. So yeah, I think for guys like that, at minimum, as a Ravens fan, I think getting to the AFC championship game has to be the goal. I think the obvious goal is you want to win the Super Bowl and get in there would be a great accomplishment for this entire team. But getting a team like this there while guys like Lamar Jackson are still on rookie level deals would be would be a big deal for us. Obviously, the second that he kicks into that, probably going to be a $40 million a year extension, then it becomes way harder to build the team around him to get back to that big game. Okay. And what do you say to Browns fans who say Baker is better than Lamar? I'd say get out of here. Unanimous, <laughs> M- unanimous, unanimous MVP says it all. Five, I think five and one record against the Browns, including last year when he vanished in the middle of the game to do God knows what, came back, <laughs> came back and led the game winning or game tying game winning drive right there. Past the Hollywood Brown right over the middle. Um, but I think the thing for me, and this is, I guess goes to the earlier point about Lamar and, what elite is. I don't know if Lamar is that elite QB. And I think that that debate is open-ended for a lot of people. What I will say is I think he's the most exciting QB to watch in the NFL. I know Mahomes is electric in a lot of ways, but I don't think any quarterback probably in league history, including Michael Vick has threatened defenses with both his legs and his arms consistently in the same way that Lamar Jackson has. Hell yeah. Uh, He's everything that Washington fans hoped RG3 would be after 2012, which was a magical season for us. And if he, even if he doesn't ever hit elite quarterback, he's an elite player in the NFL period. Like he's definitely one of the top players in the NFL. No question about it. But what do you think of Washington from a neighbor outsider's point of view? How do you see this Washington team? Because I love to know. I, I love to know what people outside of this fan base in this small circle think about what this team's going to be. Yeah. So I mean, I think at the core, Ron Rivera, extremely good head coach, is going to run a well, a well-coached team, well, really nice, tight ship uh, in Washington. I think that that defense is the potential to be like one of the best defenses. Period. Not just this year. I think like if everything gels for that team, I mean, what you're looking at. Probably one of the best front fours right now. I mean, you've got Deron Payne, with Jonathan Allen is your two space eaters in the middle, six foot three, 300 pound guys. Good luck rushing against them. And then who do you got coming off the edge? You have Chase Young on one side, who I think is going to be one of the best defensive players in the NFL within the next couple of years. And you got Montez Sweat, a six foot six monster edge rusher who's had time now to refine his pass rushing skills. I mean, what are you going to do? You're going to double Chase Young and let Montez Sweat potentially come off the edge on block. Like, good luck with that. I think middle linebackers, I mean, you drafted that kid Davis out of Kentucky. I think he's rangy. I think he can cover in space. Like, I think he could potentially be, I mean, I'm going to use Patrick Queen as the comparison because he's on the Ravens, but like that rangy sideline to sideline linebacker that I think every team needs in today's NFL. You've got two spectacular safeties in Cameron Curl and Landon Collins. And then you've got good defensive pieces at corner. I mean, Kendall Fuller is, in my opinion, a lockdown kind of corner, particularly in your division where now you're going to need guys to cover the Devonta Smiths and the Kenny Galladay's and um, everything and they the got Cowboys, obviously, <laughs> yeah. the Cowboys triumvirate of wide receivers, mm-hmm. with, like yeah. Lamb, Gallup, and Amari Cooper. So I think that the Washington football team defense is legit. In my opinion, it's the best defense currently in the NFL. I know that's a lot of high on praise. Paper. For, on paper. <laughs> on paper, yeah. I, I think that on paper that they have all the necessary pieces to be one of the stoutest defenses in the NFL. And then on offense, I mean, I like Ryan Fitzpatrick. I think he kind of gets a bad rap. It's like this 
just gunslinger who's never made the playoffs before. But like, I think that he's capable of leading good teams. He's obviously a super smart veteran. He's savvy. He knows where to get the ball. And I think that this is a good overall offense for him. I think it's a good enough offensive line. I think that the right side is probably a little bit stronger. Obviously, Brandon Scherf is there. And I think he's one of the best guards in football. I think Antonio Gibson's a great running back. I love Jarrett Patterson. I love Jarrett Patterson coming out of college. I think getting a running back, it's not even a committee necessarily, but getting a guy like Jarrett Patterson, who in, I think, one game in college had eight touchdowns eight against, touchdowns. 10, against Kent State. Crazy. Like that, those are crazy numbers from a running back. He had 12 touchdowns over a two-game span. Like this is a guy who can spell Antonio Gibson, but you're not going to be losing that much when he does, which is what you see often when the second-tier running back comes in. And then wide receivers, Terry McLaurin's one of the best young wideouts in football. I was super high on Deami Brown <laughs> coming out of UNC. Uh, my younger brother went to the University of Virginia, and I remember watching Deami Brown absolutely light up UVA secondary <laughs> to the tune of 11 catches, 240 yards, and three touchdowns. So I think Deami Brown can be that guy. I actually like his profile more as a wide receiver, too, for you guys. And then you have Curtis Samuel, who's a stud in his own right, probably best suited as a wide receiver three. For me, that's an electric wide receiver core. And I think Ryan Fitzpatrick has that mentality, which is like, I'm going to get these guys the ball and I'm going to let them create in space and I'm going to let them do what they do. So I'm pretty high on the Washington football team. I think that they should win that division. And I don't think it, it should actually be that particularly close. See, man, it's just so it's so good to hear stuff like that, because I actually believe it, too. And I've probably said this plenty of years where we really didn't have a shit chance to win anything. But it feels real now, like we're building something correctly, like other than the quarterback position long term, you can't really circle too many holes on the roster right now. I mean, I think Cosme is going to be a really good right tackle. Uh, we've already that we we let go of Morgan Moses for a reason. So I don't really think the offensive line is a problem as much as some people do. They're just more on the unproven side. And yeah. our edge depth behind Sweat and Young, it could be an issue. I didn't have a problem moving on from Kerrigan because I love the guy. Amazing guy. He was washed. People didn't want to admit it. He was washed. That's why he was only getting 20 snaps a game. And we are our, our edge depth behind them. James Smith, Williams, Bradley King, Shaka, Tony. It's all young guys, but that's all you need to, because you can't invest any more in the defensive line. You just paid Jonathan Allen, the bag, Matthew Ioannidis, who a lot of people forget about. You're going to have to pay him something next off season pain after his fifth year contract. I love the guy. I don't know how you can keep him because we got two edge rushers that are going to reset the market in a few years, even though the salary cap is going up. How much can you allocate to one unit of your team, especially when the quarterback position is in question, but yeah, I mean, there's not much to look at towards the preseason game. Like, we previewed it. You talked about your roster. I talked about my roster. Let's have some fun now, man. Like, if you had to pick a 22-man roster, offense, defense, and we can do specialists too, putting our two rosters together, let's yeah. break this down. Let's start right. with the obvious positions. Quarterback, who are we starting on that roster? I'm pretty sure we're going to be in mutual agreement here, but I'm pretty <laughs> sure the option here is obviously Lamar Jackson. I mean, I love Ryan Fitzpatrick. Don't love him that much. I'm taking Lamar Jackson at quarterback <laughs> for this Beltway team. All day, every day, twice on Sundays. Hell yeah, I 100% agree. We don't even have to elaborate too much on that. I promise you, though, it's so crazy out here. I think that there will be maybe three out of ten people that will tell you Taylor Heineke should be the starter on this team. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, the, the Heineke thing, like – I. I love this. Story. He showed out in the pre. He showed out in the postseason last year for oh, y'all. He did. He did. He did. And that little taste of adequacy, like it's, we're going to talk about it for twenty years here, even if he never pans out to be anything like most of the players that we hype up in that fashion. <sighs> now things get interesting. Running back, because I know we have two different answers for this one. State your case for J.K. Dobbins over Gibson. I'm a huge J.K. Dobbins supporter. I think that J.K. Dobbins, he was my running back one for last year for among all the rookie running backs who could have been, could have gotten drafted. In retrospect, I think the Chiefs are probably shooting themselves in the foot that they didn't take a guy like J.K. Dobbins, who I think actually fits their offense potentially better than a guy like Clyde Edwards-Hilaire does. 
That said, I have had some time to think about this. And in this offense that I want to build, I think I might value the ability of having a pass catching running back. And for a guy like Antonio Gibson, who I believe at one point actually played wide receiver at Memphis, That's what he having, was. A guy, having a guy like that who can catch the ball out of the backfield, especially with a quarterback like Lamar Jackson, I think will pay dividends. Initially, when I sent over this list, I think I had J.K. Dobbins as my running back one. But in retrospect, I think I might actually make the change to Antonio Gibson, who I think can be overall a 1,500, 1,600, maybe even a 2,000 yards from scrimmage kind of guy. Hell yeah. Like I'm, I, my fantasy drafts are coming next week, and I'm sitting here like, how high can I take Gibson? Because I see now that we're incorporating more of the throwing him the ball. Like, I don't want to call it McCaffrey style, but we want to use him how they use McCaffrey in yeah. Carolina. And like you said, he was a receiver in college. This guy only got 34 touches in college, and he was learning the running back position here last year and still ended up with 11 touchdowns, and he was injured. And he was on his way to a thousand yards easily. And we weren't throwing him the ball last year. <laughs> McKissick was getting all the running back targets as a pass catching back. So I think the sky's the limit for him. Hopefully we'd never, I'm a knock on wood. Hopefully we're never going to have to worry about the lingering effects of his turf toe injury. But so we're in agreement. We're in agreement that Antonio Gibson is RB one on the Washington Ravens. <laughs> yes, I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure wide receiver one's going to go the same way. <laughs> Who's wide receiver one for you? I think it's going to be scary Terry, right? Uh, it's got to be scary Terry McLaurin. I think the Ravens passing game has left much to be desired. I'm a big supporter of the young guys who are now on the Ravens roster. But Terry McLaurin, like I said, is one of the best young wide receivers in all of football. I think he'd be a stud on this offense. Just picture, by the way, your big three of your offensive weapons is Lamar Jackson, Antonio Gibson, and Scary Terry McLaurin. Oh, my God. <laughs> Have fun defending those guys in space. Uh, yeah, I don't know how you would do it. And did you feel like he was snubbed off the top 100 list? Like when you got guys like Cole Beasley and Corey Davis making it over him? Yeah, I mean, absolutely. I think there's absolutely no reason a guy like Cole Beasley, who's a perfectly fine slot receiver, kind of receiver in his own right. I think Terry McLaurin, top 100, I mean, top 80 would probably still be too low for a guy like that in my eyes. I think that he's one of the best receivers in all of football. Uh, so to see a guy like Corey Davis, who, what is it, never no 1,000-yard seasons, is now going to be starting off with a new quarterback <laughs> and a new team, Zach Wilson and the New York Jets, like you're really going to tell me that you value a guy like that over a guy like Terry, especially in a vacuum for a list like that? I don't think so. Hell yeah. I don't I don't usually let top 100 and Madden ratings get me, you know, get me in a tizzy. But yeah. the Terry thing, I mean, Corey Davis and Cole Beasley, like, come on now. Like, people don't realize how much of a technician Terry is as a route runner and how good his feet are. Chad Johnson can see it because he loves Terry McLaurin. He takes every moment he can to talk about how good Terry is. But this is where things are going to get interesting. Wide receiver two and wide receiver three for this team. I guess who's going to start opposite Terry on the outside and who's going to go in the slot? What do you think about that? Okay, so this is where stuff got interesting. For me, interchangeably here, you could have a guy like Hollywood Brown or a guy like Sammy Watkins. Watkins, I think, is going to potentially cause some, cause some debate here. Watkins, when he's healthy for me, is, is a better wide receiver two or wide, even a wide receiver three in football. You're talking about a guy who his first two seasons when he was in Buffalo, obviously at this point, that's now like seven years ago. Yeah, this was a 60, 65 catch guy, a 950 to 1,000 yard receiver who was averaging, I think, between six and nine touchdowns a year. Like he has all the physical gifts. He has all the talent in the world, was a star at Clemson, has it all. But he's got a lot of injury concerns. This is a guy who hasn't played a full 16-game season since his rookie year, I will say, in a Greg Roman-led offense, who's now the Ravens offensive coordinator. So we'll see how stuff like that, how stuff like that pans out. I think Hollywood's probably an interesting fit right now, assuming health and everything. You're talking about a speedier guy. Hollywood's what, 5'8, 5'9, probably 175 pounds soaking wet. Um, but has the Jets to get all the way downfield versus maybe a more polished route runner like a guy like uh, Terry McLaurin. Hollywood, I think, can open up the field, make sure that they have to have safety help over the top. Uh, otherwise, a guy like that's going to blow by your corner in single coverage. Um, but I think the two rookie wide receivers, obviously the Ravens haven't seen any of Rashad Bateman in the preseason because of 
injuries. Uh, and Deami Brown has actually, in my opinion, done a pretty good job in the preseason for like great. the Washington football team. I think great. those guys could eventually probably, if we redid this list, let's say at the end of the season, which I think would be a really interesting look back on how this list compares to our future list. I think a guy like Rashad Bateman or Deami Brown could absolutely pass Sammy Watkins in our theoretical depth chart. Yeah, me too. I actually, I, I would probably slate Bateman or Diami off potential in front of Sammy Watkins because I'm not sure what the peak of what Sammy Watkins is right now is better than what one of these young guys could offer. But I feel like what keeps you guys human as a franchise is how you guys draft receivers or what the receivers turn into once they get there. Because as great as you guys always draft and acquire players, the receivers never hit for you guys. Like you guys I think, never I think, get think, it right. Yeah, I think the greatest receiver that the Ravens have drafted second round out of Maryland, Torrey Smith, Torrey great Smith. receiver, totally fit in, but you're talking about a second round pick who is in Baltimore for all of four seasons then left Baltimore and was out of the league, I think, four or five seasons after that. After Torrey Smith, you're talking about guys like Mark Clayton, Travis Taylor, guys who just really didn't pan out. A lot of great tight ends. We've drafted good players who are good at receiving, receiving running backs, and then guys like Todd Heap or Mark Andrews or Dennis Pitta who are good tight ends. But like I think our second, our technical best receiver draft in recent years, I mean, Brashad Perryman. Brashad Perryman. No, <laughs> not great. We drafted Darren Waller, who was a receiver out of Georgia Tech, but Man. he never really turned out for us. And then he turned into a star tight end somewhere else, which arguably hurts more. But yeah, the receiver room in terms of homegrown talent has been relatively thin for the Ravens. I would say that our best receivers in history are guys like Derek Mason, who we took from Tennessee, Bolden. Anquan Bolden, who we got in a trade from the Cardinals, and then Steve Smith Sr., who was unceremoniously cut by the Carolina Panthers, was out for blood and came to Baltimore to deliver that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so that position, I would love to see Bateman hit for y'all because I'm praying that these receivers show up for Lamar Jackson because we got to you got to make his job easier, man. Yeah. Like, he already has so much burden to shoulder on that team. But the tight end position, I love Logan Thomas. It's Mark Andrews. Like, it's easily Mark Andrews. Is there any, any conversation worth being had here? <laughs> uh, I think Logan Thomas has a super high ceiling. And this was one of those that I wasn't, like, instantly on Mark Andrews. I mean, from a guy like Logan Thomas, who was, what, was playing quarterback three years ago, <laughs> like, yeah. that's a pretty impressive transition to, what, it's 70-some catches last year, 600 yards. His numbers could totally go up. With a guy like A, with a guy like Fitzpatrick, and also B, something that I think people are discounting, we're, we're talking about a 17-game season now. It used to be 65 yards a game to hit 1,000 receiving yards over the course of a season, and now all of a sudden it's 58 yards a game. That may not seem like a large difference, but like you're going to see more guys hit that threshold, both in rushing and in receiving. It wouldn't be out of the question if you see a gunslinger Ryan Fitzpatrick to see a guy like... Logan Thomas hit 900 or 950 receiving yards. I, I could see it. I could see it happening. That said, I'm not going to disagree with you here. I think Mark Andrews is one of the top five tight ends, top six tight ends in all of football. He's Lamar Jackson's number one target. I think. Yeah. Oh yeah. And shout out to him because he blessed my fantasy teams last year. Mark <laughs> Andrews is a guy you have to have, but I do expect big things to come for Logan Thomas in this offense. Cause he's going to be Fitzpatrick and him already have a rapport. He's already hit him on a couple pretty back shoulder passes down the field. He's going to be an integral part of our offense. But now we go to <clears throat> the offensive line. We don't utilize a fullback. So your guy Ricard, <clears throat> he, he got that spot. What do you think about the offensive line? Five, starting so, I mean, five. So, I mean, for me, uh, I played around with this a little bit. So, left tackle for me, assuming clean bill of health, I'm taking Ronnie Stanley, who I think Easy. is one of, the, one of the best three left tackles in football. Obviously, in pass protection, it's not as much of an issue, given that the Ravens' offense is more run dominant than any offense historically ever. Um, so, I think, is he, is he an elite pass protector in the line of, like, a Green Bay Packers guy like David Bakhtiari is? Maybe, maybe not. I don't see enough reps, enough sample size to be the judge of that. But what he is, is he's an unbelievable run, run blocker for the Ravens offense. And I think he's a surefire left tackle here in this offense. Oh, yeah, definitely. It's not Charles Leno Jr. is going to be serviceable for us. He, <laughs> like I don't expect elite or 
or terrible play for him. I think it's going to be steady like we got from Cornelius Lucas last year. How I see the line playing out, though. I think you guys are going to hold down the left side of it and everything over is going to be us, which is a debate to have at right tackle because I'm going to take Sam Cosme and his raw athletic upside over um, Villanueva from Philadelphia, I mean, from Pittsburgh because he's coming in as a former left tackle sliding in the right tackle. I mean, same thing as Cosme, but I'm going to take the young athletic profile over it. And I'm definitely taking Sheriff and Ruye at center and right guard. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah. I mean, I, so our current center is Bradley Bozeman, who I actually think profiles best as a left guard, which is where I slotted him in. It's where he's played for us the past three, four years. Uh, Rouye, I think easy, no contest. He's the better center. I would absolutely put him in. Sure, for me, I wanted the Ravens to make a play for him the second Marshall Yonda decided to hang him up, hang up the cleats. I think Sheriff is one of the best guards in all of football. That was easy. Like I said, I put Villanueva because I value the experience that he brings. That said, Cosme, in my opinion, has everything that it takes to be an elite tackle, period. Uh, I had a first round grade on him, or or, or, uh, late first, early second round grade on him. I think that he can be an elite right tackle. And by year three, maybe you want to move him over to the left side, back to where he played in college. I think right now I would still take Villanueva because I'll take that experience and what he brings. He's also an absolute mountain of a fucking man. Hell He's 6'9", yeah. six, six, 320, 330 pounds. Um, but I think this is easily one, another example of one of those conversations where if we revisit this team at the end of this football season, I'll say no contest, Sam Cosme, slot him in at right tackle and let's run this. Hey, trust me, you're going to have another crack at Brandon Sheriff because he's out of here in the offseason. I like I love the guy. He's great. He's great. He had his all pro seasons, the first all pro player of my fucking lifetime as a fan here. But after back to back franchise tags, it's clear he doesn't want to be here for the long term. So you guys be ready to throw the bag this offseason because there will not be a third franchise tag happening. He's about to get his 18 million in boogie. But This is the fun part. We're about to go to the defense now. And both teams have great defenses. But when we start up front, that front four, first of all, we're going in a 4-3. We're going to put this defense in a 4-3, I would assume. I I put this defense in a 4-3 because I ended up, when I did my little review for this, I ended up with more Washington football team players (laughs) on on defense. I am high on this defensive front four. Hell yeah. Okay, so we're we're pretty much in – agreement on the front four except you got Calais Campbell with you so you got our whole starting front four except sweat you have Calais Campbell over Montez sweat let's hear it again I I value the veteran side I value the experience that Calais Campbell brings also as big and intimidating as a guy like Montez sweat is you're talking about a six foot eight 300 pound absolute animal in the run game and Calais Campbell a guy who's had a 14-sack season, who's yep. had a 10-sack season, and all of a sudden you're telling me that, okay, either teams are going to double him and they're going to leave Chase Young in single with one guy blocking him. That's going to go horribly for other Terrible. teams. Or you're telling me that they're going to double Chase Young and you're going to have on the right side guys who are going to try to penetrate through those gaps like Deron Payne and Calais Campbell. Uh, you're, good luck running on this on this front four. It's not going to happen. You're not going to have backs average four yards a carry. They're going to get absolutely stonewalled at the line of scrimmage by what is six five Chase Young, two six three defenders, and then a six eight guy, all of whom combined are probably over a thousand pounds. Like, yeah, could, could have fun with that. Oh man! Um, so, from, so I, I'm like I said, I love to think, the fun thing to think about. This is that we would have with this team, we would have sweat as the rotational pass rusher which is insane exactly bring bring sweat down on those third downs and all of a sudden the team's like okay maybe their their right defensive ends a little gassed who are we facing on third downs chase young and montez sweat enjoy (laughs) absolutely okay so let's look at the linebacker room who are your who are your three who are your three linebackers and why yeah, so the will linebacker, uh, obviously, that's not a, that's not as much a thing in Baltimore, given that we run a three-four defense. But I, I was going to leave it at John Bostic, absolute tackle. No, 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 no,
Hell no, 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 don't do it. Throw, throw Holcomer Davis out there. Do not, oh. I promise you, he's going to be the only liability on the field if you put him Okay, out there. there we go. Okay, I, I, don't, I don't know enough about, I guess, the, the, the base you should, three. You shouldn't about but, the uh, <laughs> So in that case, in that case, we'll go young guys. So I'll put, let's do uh, Jamin Davis. We'll put Jamin him Davis. at the, yeah, we'll, put, we'll put him at the Will linebacker, my Mike linebacker. I'll put Patrick Queen. And then for the Sam linebacker, this is uh, if we're talking peak ability, then maybe you put a guy like Justin, uh, Justin Houston in there. But I think right now, given everything that's uh, that's happening, I think maybe you run with Tyus Bowser, who can operate in space a little bit more, I think has that pass rushing ability. By the way, you're looking at the base four three. So your first seven guys on the field in this situation is Chase Young, Jonathan Allen, Deron Payne, Campbell with Davis, Queen and Bowser. Fun with that. I if I was a running back, I would be like, put me on the bench, play my backup. I have no interest in getting run over by a bunch of Mack trucks. That does not sound appealing to me. Keep keep me plastered on the keep me plastered on the bench. Oh yeah, this is like a damn Pro Bowl roster right here. And in the secondary, in the secondary, I'm guessing, I'm assuming we're gonna see two Ravens on the outside and two Washington. God, we need a goddamn name because you can't even like Washington football teamers. Like, <laughs> I hate that shit. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm assuming the safeties are going to be our guys and the corners are going to be your guys. So I will say this. So right cornerback, I slotted in Marlon Humphrey. In my opinion, one of the best corners in all of football. No arguments. Uh, an absolute ball taking, ball handling. This kid will rip that football right out of the wide receiver's grasp every time that he gets the opportunity. It's his nickname. He's the fruit punch guy. He's inherited it from mm. Charles Tillman, who somehow amassed, I think, 44 forced fumbles during his time in the NFL, which as a cornerback is mind boggling. Yeah, that's crazy. Um, and then safeties, Cameron Curl at free safety, Landon Collins at strong safety. I actually debated a lot on who I was going to put. Marcus Peters has that rangy ball hawking ability that I don't think can be taught necessarily. Mm-hmm. Like this is a guy who can potentially blow games wide open by getting a pick six. I think he's had six or seven pick sixes in his career, which Hell is absurd. Yeah. This is a guy who's always a threat to take at the distance and quarterbacks potentially fear because they know that he's watching and trying to bait them into throws. That said, he's also not necessarily a plus tackler and he's occasionally can get baited himself into being out of position and letting guys hit him for big gains. So I think Kendall Fuller for me was an interesting slot in there. A guy like Kendall Fuller across from Marlon Humphrey where Fuller can really be a cornerback too and not have to guard number one guys, I think can be a lockdown corner. So for me, I went back and forth a while here. I would actually be fine with either of them. Yeah, I would probably put Peters on the outside, but I would certainly have Fuller as the slot corner on this defense because that's where his real natural innate position is on the inside. There's times where if you put a speedy guy on Kendall Fuller, he's a liability for the defense, but he's a really good cornerback. But I think where we're headed with our cornerback room with William Jackson, I think we're headed towards our rookie third rounder, Benjamin St. Juice, lengthy guy out of Minnesota. I think he's going to end up starting opposite Jackson on the outside and we're going to move Kendall around the defense, have him see some nickel, have him see some Buffalo nickel, some free safety. We're going to move him around the defense. So Benjamin St. Juice is a name to watch for anyone who wants to know about a good young defensive back who's having just a good a camp as Deami Brown's having for our offense. That's a name that when we get to the end of the year and we redo this after the season, that might be a name we put on the list. But Safeties. Do you think both of our safeties would be the starting safeties on on this defense over yours? I do. I think uh, right now our strong safety, I think, is Chuck Clark, although both of our safeties are largely interchangeable and what their role is as part of the back end of the defense. I think Landon Collins is a great safety. I think, I mean, look, he was almost a defensive player of the year at one point when he was on the New York Giants. Like you're talking about a guy who has all the physical attributes necessary, has the experience, has the leadership, has the school background as a guy straight from Alabama, has everything that it's needed to put it together. I went back and forth a lot on Deshaun Elliott versus Cam Curl. Uh, but Cam Curl for me is younger. He has a higher ceiling, I think, potentially as a player. He showed out last year, forcing yeah. turnovers. I think, what, two forced fumbles and three interceptions. 
uh, something like that. I think that he has everything together and obviously he has experience playing in this kind of defense for me right now. I think I would take cam curl. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I'm definitely taking cam and Landon. You guys defense is just, you like some of the names may not stick out to people, but you guys have the perfect guys that play their role. They don't do anything more or less than they're supposed to, but they always understand the assignment. So we just put together the offense and the defense of a goddamn team. I that would probably go 14 and three. Yeah. <laughs> like I definitely could see it. Y'all definitely got us in the kicker department because <laughs> Dustin Hopkins, Hey man, y'all might, y'all can throw us that young kid y'all got behind Justin Tucker. Cause we could use him. Yeah. Jake Verity. Look, you send over a fifth round pick. It's what Eric DaCosta has shown to be pretty good at. I mean, he shipped out Karavedvik last or two off seasons ago, got a fifth round pick in return. I mean, like a kid like Verity. And if you look at Baltimore's history, they've really always had either drafted or undrafted. They've always had good kickers. I'm pretty sure Stephen Hoshka came through Baltimore at one point. Graham Gano, Billy Cundiff had a couple of good seasons. They had Stover here. Obviously, they found Justin. Justin Tucker somehow was an undrafted player. Like you're talking about a guy who made some of the biggest kicks in Texas history across all, all of their sports departments. The guy was in a lockdown kicker, also majored in opera, just an interesting guy across the board. Um, and yeah, I think Tucker's probably, which is amazing with a guy like Matt Stover, Tucker's probably the best kicker that the Ravens have ever had. He's one of the best kickers in the NFL for me over Dustin Hopkins. This was, this was a pretty easy choice. Hell yeah. Very easy choice. And there's a lot of things that fluctuate and are interchangeable within our organization. But the one thing we've had for these years, we got Tressway, our yeah. punter. <laughs> That's and, a I, and I, and I took Tressway. <laughs> Tressway, I think, and, and which is tough. Ravens have a great punter. Sam Cook is a, an yep. amazing punter and he's amazingly, I think he's got a perfect passer rating for his career. <laughs> he does. Throwing plays on, <laughs> throwing plays on those kind of, on those kind of plays. But Tressway is one of the best punters. He's got a sick name. He's got a sick leg. He's just a great, great all-around punter. The idea, I kept Sammy Boy as the holder for this team just to get sneak another Raven in there while I could. Um, but yeah, for me, the the punter, it was a relatively easy choice to go with Tressway. Oh, yeah. And we don't even have to have a discussion about punt return, kick return. Devin Duvernay definitely takes the kick there. We're still trying to figure out who our kick returner, punt returner is going to be between Dax Milne and DeAndre Carter. So we're still working through that. So give me, give me Dax. Just, Dax out of BYU. Oh, yeah. I like Dax, man. He looks he looks he looks the part so far. That was Zach Wilson's boy. If he doesn't make this roster, I can see the Jets grabbing him with the quickness. Yeah. And I'm glad that was a good transition because we're about to wrap it up in a bit. But speaking of Zach Wilson, how do you think the careers of the first round rookie class of quarterbacks are going to fare? Because I've liked what I've seen from a little bit of all the guys so far. What do you think? Yeah. So, far? so I think this could be one of the rare classes where everybody turns out at worst, everyone turns out okay. Yep. I think a guy like Zach Wilson is probably in a better situation with the Jets than a guy like Sam Darnold was. I think Robert Sala is a really good, has the potential to be a really good head coach. I think they've surrounded him early stage with enough pieces. I think they probably could use a better pass catching tight end in New York, but Corey Davis and I mean, who else have they got there? They got your Jamison Crowder slot receivers. So they've, they've got young pieces who are there who I think, can help him succeed. I loved Michael Carter coming out of UNC with Javante Williams. I think he can be their running back one within a couple of years. So I think the Jets have surrounded him with enough talent where he's not going to be bowled over right away. Obviously, he's got Makai Becton as a franchise left tackle. Dude is an Mountain. absolute beast of a human being. <laughs> it's like getting protected on your left side by a Coke machine. He's not, he's not going to see that much pressure. <laughs> for sure. So for Zach Wilson, love that. I think obviously Trevor Lawrence probably has the highest ceiling of anybody outside of maybe a Trey Lance in this class. I think Trevor Lawrence, like this, like people have been saying forever, Andrew Luck type of prospect. For me, a lot of his success is going to be how good is Urban Meyer as a head coach in the NFL. If Urban Meyer tries to come in and do what he does in college, I think that we've seen this before, maybe with guys like Jim Harbaugh. Over, over a longer period of time, there are guys who are not so receptive to being treated like they're still in college by their yeah. NFL head coach. Exactly. And it's we've already started to see some reports of players being a little bit offset by how Urban Meyer's coaching in Jacksonville. I think we'll see how that plays out. It's tough to see 
a situation in which a six foot six, 220 pound cannon throwing kid out of Clemson though, has a tough time in the NFL over, over the course of his career. Lance is the ultimate wild card for me. Mm-hmm. This is a kid who has all the physical attributes in the world needed to succeed as a quarterback. He's got a cannon for an arm. He can make plays with his leg. He's in a really quarterback friendly offense in San Francisco. Shanahan, he's got two guys, Brandon Ayuk and Debo Samuel, who are absolute yards after catch monsters. He's got a stable of running backs who can do it all. And he's got George Kittle, who's one of the two best tight ends in all of football. Can he get past Garoppolo? Can he cut down on the mistakes? For me, he's probably a year two starter, and then we'll see and be able to build his profile from there. But I think that Trey Lance, the sky's the limit for a guy like him if that team remains largely intact the way that it is. Fields in, in Chicago. Chicago's largely a graveyard for quarterbacks. I think it's, uh, yep. it's tough when you have to say that the best quarterback that they've probably ever had statistically is Jay Cutler, um, which, may, <laughs> which, may, which seems crazy, but then you dig into it and you're like, wow, like that's, it is that's, probably, <laughs> that's probably the case. Um, he's got great weapons. I mean, David Montgomery is a solid, if unspectacular, running back. Tariq Cohen's a pretty good receiving back. You've got Allen Robinson there as your wide receiver one. I think he's going to take over from Dalton early. I think it wouldn't shock me if he took over from Dalton by, let's say, they're not going to throw him in week one. I believe they're playing the Rams. I wouldn't want to start week one against that team either. Week two is, I think they're playing the Bengals. Let Dalton have his revenge game. Week three, doesn't even matter. By week four, I would bet on Justin Fields being that starter in Chicago. And I think he, I think he's a great player. I was shocked. When he didn't go top 10, I thought the Broncos, as good as Patrick Sertain is, and he is the potential to be a Marlon Humphrey style of corner straight out of Bama, has NFL bloodlines, has the whole thing. You're talking about a team that has Jerry Judy on it. You're talking about a team that has Cortland Sutton, has Noah Fant, has Melvin Gordon, has all the offensive pieces needed. Draft a guy like Justin Fields. Man, like that's a guy who can take that team to the absolute. Yeah. Level. Oh, you got all that firepower to start Teddy two gloves at quarterback. Like, come on, man. Yeah. Give me, give me. I wish a guy like Fields had gone to a team like that. I, and by the way, think about the quarterbacks in that division. You would have had Justin Fields. You would have had Justin Herbert. You would have had Ooh. Derek Carr, and you would have had Patrick Mahomes. That'd be fun. But talk about explosive offenses. That division would have been crazy. And then lastly, we have Mac Jones. I know you're really high on Mac Jones. <laughs> I like Mac. <laughs> I think Mac obviously had an all-time season in college. I think had spectacular weapons there too. I think COVID also made stuff a little bit weirder versus a normal year. That said, I mean, if Bill Belichick stays the head coach last GM there, I think that he's going to be in a great situation. He could probably take that team over from Newton at some point this year. If Newton falters at all, Mac Jones is going to be right there ready to take over. The big question mark is who is he going to be throwing to? <clears throat> Outside of James White, I mean, they've got Nikhil Harry. They've got a couple. They've got, uh, I think, Nelson, Nelson Aguilar, Aguilar is there. and Kendrick Aguilar Bourne. Yeah, but like Julian Edelman's gone. I mean, they've got Johnny Smith and Hunter Henry, who I think can be a great TE1, TE2 uh, kind of set right there. But the question is, are they going to get a guy like Mac Jones in next year's draft or in free agency? Are they going to get him more weapons to help him succeed? I would imagine so, because I think they're going to do everything they can to make his job easier. But they see the work ethic, the tenacity and the passion to be great. Mac Jones is is, he's going to be the hardest working guy in that (laughs) locker room. And Cam, Cam better get back soon because this mishap with the COVID test, Mac took over with the ones this week and he was lighting the Giants ass up in their joint practices this week. So I love to hear that. But like I was saying the other day, like like you just said, all five quarterback, it's very rare to see them all hit, but they could all have long careers and they could all be fairly successful and productive in this league. And it would not surprise me if that happened. All right. I got one more for you. Then I'm gonna let you plug. You got what you guys are doing over there with simple bet. You just signed your deal with DraftKings. We can talk about that in a second, but 2022, I asked everybody this to close the episode 2022 season week one, the Washington blinks are starting who at quarterback. So I want to know what the team's name is going to be. And I want to know who the starting quarterback is next year. I know a lot of people, huge fans of the Commanders. I've heard monuments. I think it's going to be the Wolves. I think yes. it's going to be the Wolves. Give me the alliteration. Give me a fierce mascot. Give me, by the way, a mascot that would probably eat eagles 
and hunt oh, yeah. cowboys. Hell yeah. I think, per- I think it's perfect. I think Washington Wolves rolls off nicely. I think it's all good. You keep the color scheme. Washington Wolves it is next year at quarterback. I think it could be a rookie. I'm going to be honest. Me I think that there's a couple young rookie quarterbacks who I think would be interesting fits in a Ron Rivera scheme. I don't think you guys are going to be bad enough to draft one of the top two quarterbacks, mm-hmm. which I think are going to be probably Spencer Rattler out of Oklahoma or it's Sam Howell bad. out of UNC. Yep. Same but it wouldn't surprise me if a guy opened next year, like a Matt Coral, Matt Corral out of Ole Miss. Ole Miss. A guy yeah. like Malik uh, Willis out of Liberty, or maybe even a wild card. A guy like Carson Strong out of Nevada, Nevada. big strong-armed quarterbacks. I think Malik Willis, who a transfer from Auburn, for me is the most likely candidate. I think he fits in really well with that offense. And the idea of putting a guy who maybe needs to clean up on the accuracy a little bit with two sure-handed guys and Terry McLaurin and Deami Brown as his two starting targets. you got a strong offensive line formation to protect him and a guy who can also make plays on the ground. I'm going to, I'm going to say, and if, and if this gets, by the way, I want credit for it. I'm going <laughs> to say Malik Willis out of Liberty. I think okay, will be the Washington, okay. Washington Wolves starting quarterback 2022. Now that would be an exciting ass way to roll in the new name. And we already, you already know Wolves is my preference too. So that is the perfect answer. I would love to see it. And I'm very excited to see what Malik Willis does this year. And I've, I've appreciated this, man. I'm glad you came on today, man. This was a good time. Yeah, I'm always happy to come on, talk sports. I'll talk any sport, but I mean, football for me, football is the one that's the most exciting. It's the season that I think most people, when it rolls into, they're ready to go. They're like, I am ready for some football again. Hell yeah, I'm ready for it too. Go ahead and let them know what you guys are doing over there. It's Simple Bet, plug your social medias, and we can get out for the day, man. Yeah, awesome. Yeah, so I'm the marketing manager at Simple Bet. We are a sports betting company, an odds feed provider. As you mentioned, we just partnered with DraftKings to provide live in-play, what we call micro-market odds for NFL, for NBA, for MLB, and for the first time for college football as well. If you're in Virginia, which I think is going to be the closest for the Washington football team fans, if you're in Virginia, you will be able to use this product via DraftKings. It's a really exciting product for football. You'll be able to bet on drive level markets like, hey, I think the result of this next Washington football team drive is going to be a touchdown. And I think they're going to cross the 50 yard line. I think they're going to cross into the red zone. I think they're going to score a touchdown. You'll be able to bet on all of that as the drive progresses. The odds are going to change. Similar kind of stuff for baseball at that level markets, college football, basketball when it's back, all the same deal. If you're in Washington, D.C., though, where DraftKings doesn't have a foothold right now, you'll be able to use our product via Intralot with Gambit D.C., similar markets available. It's going to be an exciting time for the football season. If you're interested in following me, I'm at PeepTheseStats. Rio can share it if he wants. Um, But yeah, I'm mostly there to talk about sports. If if anyone is interested at any point in talking about any sport, I am down to talk about it, whether it's professional football, college tennis, I am there for it. Hell yeah. My guy, Jake, as you can see, knows his shit. And definitely check out what they're doing at Simple Bet. When you can feel the Chase Young sack is upcoming, go ahead and bet on it. Throw some money on it. When Dustin Hopkins goes out the kick and you know he's about to miss that shit, put some money on it, man. But thank you, man. I appreciate it. What's the result of the next possession? Missed field goal. Missed field goal. Exactly. And you know we got that intuition here. And that's going to conclude another episode of the Rambling About Washington podcast. Please make sure you check me out on all streaming platforms, whether that's Apple, Spotify, Google, Pocket Cast, Breaker, wherever you can find podcasts, check out Rambling About Washington with Rio. And make sure you hit the subscribe button like button and comment let's start some discussion on my videos on youtube at the rambling with rio robinson youtube channel and be sure to follow me on all social media platforms as well at rio underscore robinson 91 and at raw podcast w rio one more time that's raw podcast w rio and rio robinson on facebook until next time hail to the nameless football team deuces